say to you that one of the finest things you can do to win people to Christ is just to spend time with the Lord. Mary was a soul winner. The circle of her home was blessed because of her. The circle of her friendship was blessed because of her. She won people to Christ because she spent time with the Lord Jesus. Never does a person have more power, more potential, more value than when he's at the feet of Jesus. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we're looking to a great message from the late great Dr. Warren Wiersbe. In Luke chapter 10, he'll share with us the story of Mary and Martha and what it teaches us about the devotional life and how to seek first the kingdom of God and trust him that he will provide us all good things. Stay tuned for that message, but first we're joined by Melissa Zaldivar, an author with a new book that deals with grief in a unique perspective. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Our guest this weekend is Melissa Zaldivar, who's written a book called What Cannot Be Lost? How Jesus Holds Us Together When Life is Falling Apart. The book reads more like a journal and a novel than it does as an instruction manual because it is dealing with the process of grief and something that Melissa has experienced in her own life, as well as she chronicles how it's affected many others and that have been a huge influence in her life. I know that this is something that many of our listeners struggle with, Melissa, so I'm curious to hear from you what advice you might have for our listeners who are feeling like this grief is tearing their life apart. I think that Jesus holds us together in ways we're aware of and not aware of. Mm -hmm. There are things that happen that we go, whoa, I didn't even know that was happening. I didn't know that person was praying for me. I didn't know that that individual Um, was walking through a similar experience as me and we were going to meet up later and have that. You know, I think about the ways that God is preparing right now friendships that we haven't even met those people yet, right? There is something, it's not like when we become friends with somebody or when we meet our spouse or whatever it is, like, it's not like there's no history there. They're doing something right now. I'm single. If I ever get married, it's not like he doesn't exist right now. He's at work or he's walking through a season of looking for work. I don't know what he's experiencing, but there's something going on that I'm unaware of. And I think that that is so much of a posture that we have to hold is to say, Lord, there are things going on. I do not understand. And I do not know, but I'm going to trust that it exists. And sometimes we need to reach out to our friends and say, Hey, I'm going to trust that this exists. Uh, I recently was talking to a friend who's walking through a heavy season who is not seeing the hope and the joy of life right now and is really struggling. And I just said, hey, I'm going to believe that it's going to happen for you because you can't believe that for yourself right now. Like I'm going to remember the faithfulness of Jesus. And I want you to know that someone is remembering that for you. And while we can't do that spiritually, like it's not like my salvation will just like go to someone else or something like that. I think there's such an encouragement when someone is saying, hey, I'm going to be in the midst of this cheering for you and praying for you and interceding for you and kind of getting in the trenches. And I talk about that a little in the book, being willing to get into the trenches. And so when it comes time to um, walk out whatever it is that we have, I think that spirit of, Lord, you're doing something, even if I don't understand it, is sometimes what gives us sanity when we're walking through a heavy season. Uh, And also asking the Lord to show us in really small ways, I think can sometimes go a long way. Um, something I regularly talk about, it's kind of a joke on social media, 
is the stink bug, the faithful little stink bug, which we have plenty of in New England. Um, during the lowest point in that season, I remember I was laying on my living room floor. It was really a high point for me. <laughs> I was laying on the living room floor and I said, Jesus, I just need to know I'm not alone because I feel like I'm completely alone. And right then I look up and a little stink bug was like walking across my kitchen floor. And I thought, well, at least I have a stink bug. And it became this sort of joke, right? That Jesus is always near like a stink bug in New England in the winter. Like there's always one around. In fact, literally, as we've been talking, uh, I looked over and there's just a stink bug walking around (laughs) my living room right now. And it's this reminder, right, of the ever present God that we serve. Uh, And so I'd say asking the Lord, will you just show me? that I'm not alone. And it could be something as small as a stink bug, but holding on to that and saying, thank you, Jesus, for showing me that means that every time I see a stink bug now, I'm like, Jesus is present. Jesus is present. Um, Even when I don't see a stink bug. And so I think that that is something that's helpful is know that there are things that you don't see, but asking the Lord to have eyes to see what you can. I know for a lot of people who are dealing with loss or suffering grief, um, they can't resonate with the idea that that, that they that uh, that their circumstances are going to work out in some grand fashion in the glory of God. But uh, we can be comforted in the fact that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and suffering has been a part of every one of their experiences. And uh, God has always been faithful. In the end, we can learn from that. Uh, th- those who have gone before us in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God has always proven Himself faithful. Yeah, absolutely. I think the faithfulness of God is something that is, it has always happened and it continues to happen. I think that's the cool thing about it is every day, every moment that we continue on, his faithfulness is just getting more and more and more. Uh, and and it is infinite. And yet it's not the kind of thing that was like, whoa, God was really faithful back then. Like God was really faithful to those people during Moses time. And that was it. It's like, no, it was during Moses time. And it was during the 1800s. And it's now and it's tomorrow, right? Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever as Hebrews tell us tells us. So it is a joy to think about the faithfulness of God is something that just keeps getting richer and richer and richer. And it does not dwindle. And one of the phrases I like to use is like, he does not stop. Like, he does not stop being good. He does not stop being kind. He does not stop being faithful. Um, And we have to stop a lot and we have to (laughs) collapse a lot. But there is a gift knowing that uh, we have a God who is just faithful and he just keeps getting more so. We've been talking with Melissa Zaldivar. Her book is called What Cannot Be Lost? How Jesus Holds Us Together When Life is Falling Apart. It is a great resource and one that I commend to you, especially if you or someone you love has suffered grief or loss in the last couple of years. I know that this is a a difficult situation and difficult topic to cover, but it is so important for you and others that you know who are suffering to be able to walk through that grief knowing that we have a shepherd who leads us to the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us and He will not leave us, even in the darkest moments of our life. If you want to find out more information about Melissa and her book, What Cannot Be Lost, give us a call, 508-362-7070, or head over to our website at songtime.com. 
Well, this weekend we're also continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke, and today we're going to be hearing from the late great Dr. Warren Wiersbe, a huge influence in my life. I remember finding his commentaries in my dad's office when I was 12 years old and starting to preach and starting to frame my first ever sermons in uh, Dr. Wearsby was the one who was there to guide me in so much of that journey in my early years and to become a friend of the Ministry of Songtime, uh, of course, to get to know him in his later years. His ministry has had such a profound impact on me, and his understanding of the Word of God is so rich and, and so moving. The story of Mary and Martha is a subject that we've we've often heard. We know the story, and yet, do we really understand its meaning in our life, and have we applied it? In the case of hearing and doing the Word of God, which is a major theme here in the Gospel of Luke, the late great Dr. Warren Wearsby explains to us how to prioritize our, our understanding of time with Jesus and to be effective in this world. Here is Warren Wearsby. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And may we learn from Mary how to choose that good part that shall never be taken away from us. Mary is found three times in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 10, John chapter 11, and John chapter 12. And the interesting thing is this, every time you find Mary, she is in the same place sitting at the feet of Jesus. I want to suggest to you today that this is the place that you and I need to be every day. You see, Mary is a picture to us of what we call the devotional life. Now, may I suggest to you that there are three reasons why you and I need to meet the Lord every single day. First of all, because of what it means to us personally. Now, I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, there have been two tremendous blessings that come from my devotional time. The first is what I like to call enrichment. Here's Martha fussing over here, defrosting TV dinners and getting everything ready. Here's Mary over here, and she's waiting before the Lord and listening to his voice. And you wonder, what in the world is Mary doing? And Jesus tells us what Mary is doing. Jesus says, she hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Have you ever stopped to think of how much in a day's experience does not last? So many things that we come in contact with in the course of a day do not last. Uh, The food that we eat gives us strength for that time, but it doesn't last. The experiences that we have, we enjoy for the time, but they really don't last. And yet what we do with the Lord Jesus, what happens between my heart and his heart, lasts. You see, this is enrichment. 
You can watch television and get entertainment. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you get enrichment. Secondly, it's an, an experience of enablement. I have found that by spending time every day with the Lord, starting my day with Him, that it gives me the enablement I need for that whole day. After all, you and I can't operate on our own human power. It's impossible for you and me to do spiritual work with carnal ways and carnal power. The spirit indeed is willing, said Jesus, but the flesh is weak. And when Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his word, she was given that divine enablement that she needed. That's the first reason why we need that daily time with the Lord, because of what it means to us. There's a second reason. We need this daily time with the Lord because of what it means to others. Now, you can't separate your walk with Christ and your life with other people. Now, you may think you can, but you can't. I can't. The Christian life is a cross. There is a vertical relationship between me and the Lord, and there's a horizontal relationship between me and other people. And I have noticed this, that when the Lord and I are getting along with each other, it's much easier for me to get along with other people. What was wrong with Martha? Was it wrong to work? No. Was it wrong to prepare a meal for Jesus? Of course not. What was wrong with Martha? Jesus tells us what was wrong. He didn't say, Martha, Martha, you shouldn't cook a meal. Martha, Martha, you shouldn't work. He didn't say that. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious. You're pulled apart. Martha, your problem is not that you're working. Your problem is that your work is pulling you apart. If you would spend time at my feet getting the enrichment and the enablement that you need, it wouldn't pull you apart. You see, Martha's problem was not that she had too many jobs. Martha's problem was that she had too many masters. She was trying to run her life. She was worried about what Mary thought, this, that. Oh, no, you can only have one master. Mary had one master. Mary chose that good part that couldn't be taken from her. She got her orders from the Lord. The next time you and I find ourselves distracted and divided, we're being pulled apart, we throw up our hands and say, I've got so much to do, we better stop and say, wait a minute, my priorities must be wrong. You can always tell when your priorities are fouled up. You find a Christian running around trying to serve God, and he's critical. There's something wrong. She accused the Lord Jesus of not caring. She accused Mary of not caring. Watch out when you look at some other Christian and say, I'm working harder than he is. I'm sacrificing more than he is. How do you know? She was the most important one. My work, my life. And Jesus said, Martha, you better learn from Mary. If you're really busy, spend time at my feet. That will give you the calm and the enrichment and the power that you need. May I say to you that one of the finest things you can do to win people to Christ is just to spend time with the Lord. Mary was a soul winner. The circle of her home was blessed because of her. The circle of her friendship was blessed because of her. She won people to Christ because she spent time with the Lord Jesus. Never does a person have more power, more potential, more value than when he's at the feet of Jesus. There's a third reason. Not only because of what it means to you and because of what it means to others but we need to spend time each day with the Lord because of what it means to Christ doesn't he deserve our love 
because of who he is and what he's done for us? Are the trinkets and toys of life so important we have no time for him? The most important part of your life is the part that only God sees, that private time when you're alone with the Lord. Now, if you have been neglecting that time, get back to it. If you've been skimping on it, get back to where it ought to be because uh, of what it means to you. You'll never have the enrichment and the enablement for life without it. Because of what it means to others. Our families need it. Our unsaved friends need it. God can work through us to be a blessing to them. And because of what it means to the Lord. The story of Mary and Martha is often something that we can dissect into sort of personality traits and say, well, Mary has a personality that is more prone to to worship and to spending time with Jesus and to just sitting at his feet. She's more interested in all that intellectual stuff. Whatever it is, that's her personality. Where, where Martha is more of a busy, she's a behind-the-scenes worker, and she's she works hard, and she's a little more high-strung, and their personalities are what separate the two. That is not the case in this story. In fact, Jesus doesn't want us to see the personality traits, although there probably were some personality differences. What Jesus wants us to see is the importance for Martha to prioritize the things that matter most. It's not that her work was less than, it's that her work was not the most important thing because Jesus was in her midst. It's very easy for us to get caught up in this sort of uh, same thinking because we want to see all our busyness and have significance given to our works and our own righteousness as well as our personality. We want to be appreciated. We want to be acknowledged. And we want to be seen as a contributor. But the truth is, we cannot earn any credit in our own works. Jesus tells us this much. And we even see it in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our own righteousness. We don't earn credit with God and with Jesus by working harder. In fact, The way that we earn credit with God is by sitting at his feet, by worshiping him and giving him thanks. I'm reminded of Psalm 50. It's one of my favorite psalms. It tells the story of Jesus speaking to the people and saying, I don't want any of these things. I don't want your offerings. I don't want your blood sacrifices. Essentially, he says, if I needed a cup of sugar, I wouldn't come knocking on your door, right? I I can make sugar for myself. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need to come to you for anything. He doesn't need anything from us. But what is God's desire from us. What does the Lord truly desire from us? It says a sacrifice of thanksgiving. He wants our love. He wants our appreciation. He wants us to fully rest on him and his work and to demonstrate that we're not working on our own, that we're not earning any credit, that we're not striving on our own merit, but we are fully reliant on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And that is what is core to the story of Mary and Martha. Martha wanted to be acknowledged for her contribution. And Jesus says, your contribution is not what matters. It's my contribution. And that is what Mary has understood. I hope that this encourages you. And I hope that it challenges you to go back and read the story and to learn what it truly means to rest in the the Lord of the Sabbath 
to find that he is our hope and our righteousness, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to study his word on a daily basis, to grow in your walk with Christ. You know, I've been through a lot of of classes that have taught you need to do a daily devotional, and all of them have been sort of beat you over the head, sort of instructions and rules and regulations, and I found that those don't do a very good job of motivating me to want to do the right thing. But when I learn who Jesus is, when I discover his love and his work on the cross for me, that is when I'm drawn in. And I want to know more of Christ. I long for him and I want to do more for him in his glory. That is a proper approach and that is what Mary represents. And I hope that encourages you to draw closer to Jesus daily. If we've been able to encourage you, we'd love to hear from you. You could write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or you can give us a call. It's 508 508- 362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this series. Here are the words of Jesus from Luke 14:11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. <laughs>